welcome to Architecture Talk Tang. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. This is Sarah Colata with Architecture Totang, and we're broadcasting actually from Spain because my guest is in Madrid and I'm in northern part of Spain in Costa Brava. So this is like a local broadcast going international and very excited because Geronimo Varshendel, who is my guest today, is running an exciting program within Madrid, which is all dedicated to business of architecture. And we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of educating architects in business, specifically at the level of university, but also some interesting personal project, which Geronimo is running, which is also related to digital transformation and leveraging apps and technology to aid architects. So Geronimo, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining me on this call. It's excellent to have you as my guest. It's a real pleasure. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction. And I'm very pleased to be sharing this time with everyone, you know, from Spain or Madrid to the world. So thanks for this time. Brilliant. So let's just start straight away talking a little bit about the IE School of Architecture and Design that you are the academic director of specifically for the Business of Architecture and Design master's degree. I have, I'm familiar with your school because since I started to educate a community around business and marketing i've seen a lot of incredible content being put out by by your university online and and i think that there is a real need specifically at the level of university to educate community of architects about business so tell us a little bit about your experience with this course as well as delivering that sort of education within the ic industry yeah thank you actually i think this program the Master in Business for Architecture and Design, or MBR, is, is hosted in the school that would be, at least in my opinion, the perfect home for such a program that bridges the gap or connects the business side and the architecture side. Because IE was born initially as a business school and then grew up as, a, as an international, very renowned university, but with a super strong business expertise and with a super strong you know, core of entrepreneurship training expertise and mindset so the program itself in a way was directly born understanding that architecture is one of these disciplines central in a way the way we live and and that as well connects the humanities the technical part with a drastic impact in economy at least indirectly but also in a way as well directly through the built environment industry and the construction industry which accounts for depending on where you look at but between 6 and 13% of the GDP of the different global regions. So it's a huge, it's a huge that we really need 
look into more in detail, especially if we come from design, right? And, and the program is basically aimed at, it's called Mastering Business for Architecture and Design, because what it precisely tries to do is acknowledging the power of design, particularly spatial design, to transform our lives for the better, and acknowledging as well that, that designers would, and architects, and all types of spatial design would highly benefit from getting gaining expertise and training and on, on entrepreneurship, on innovation, and on the core business management discipline. So we cover, in a way, the whole spectrum of, of what it would be business training and entrepreneurship training with four key tracks. One that is management, so you, where you go into financials, strategic management operations for service companies, human resources management, and so on. Then we have an entrepreneurship track in itself, which is about you know, understanding the problems in the industry, screening out opportunities and giving shape to those opportunities in a structured and a strategic way. And then we have two complementary tracks that all run in parallel, as mentioned, that are the innovation and technology. So how do you embrace those as enablers for the new role, the new model of the architect that we are strongly convinced that is already, you know, growing and is already born, although we are starting to notice it, uh, but it will definitely be completely different to what we have seen in the next 10 years. And then a final one, which is on, on, on leadership. So we believe that changing the model of the architect or contributing to that change and also disrupting the industry in a way that is positive for you, for your company, and as well for the sector includes or implies a high degree or high level of awareness about yourself, about how you interact with your own company people and about how you interact as well or how you affect change as, a, as an influential professional in your realm, be it local, national, or international. So we also work quite strongly on that. And I'll leave it there to, to avoid being too long on my answer. No, but this is amazing. And, you know, I'm really excited for the fact that you cover such a broad range of topics, because as much as all of them are so extremely valid, I think that the fact that we get undereducated in business, specifically within the AAC industry, pushes us more to explore topics of how to actually get clients and how to land work, which again, is still not a widely covered topic or provided for education wise within our industry, but still it seems to be more important. And then I noticed that even when people are trying to answer questions related to sales and client acquisition, they omit or put less attention into leadership team building, running operations, and a lot of other topics that are very strictly business, but are extremely useful for running a practice and becoming an entrepreneur within your own design studio as an architect or designer. So it's, it sounds like the course alone is very comprehensive and it goes through all these different topics. So tell me, what is your average student like? What would be the beginning of a journey for a person that joins your course? Yeah, that. Thank you for that question. I think it's great and it's really important as well. One of the things we always discuss about and we always have very present in the School of Architecture and Design is we want to expand the role of the architect, right? And that means a lot of things, among others, or among which, very importantly, training them in business and innovation and entrepreneurship, but as well, learning to be more transdisciplinary or interdisciplinary and engaging with people not only of other disciplines, but as well of different conditions and different background expertise within your realm, the realm of 
construction in a way, right? The built environment at large. So our students in a typical year are about 30 to 40 students. Uh, they come from around 20 countries from the five continents. In, in the last five years, we've had that kind of, of profile consistently. All of them work and study. Well, there might be one or two that are full-time studying because that's their election and they're perhaps taking some extra time to, to do or to pursue other projects like starting a new company or things like that. But all of them are people and the program is prepared as well to embrace work-study passion. And as well, we believe that there's a lot of value in that direct in interaction between what they are living at work, uh, the projects they're trying to undertake, and what they see in the, in the program. And then in terms of their background, which is also something very important, another thing that I think is very important is we have quite a balanced cohort of students. So this year, for instance, we have 56% women, and the, the remaining 100%, so 44 men, naturally, and, and that provides, you know, richness in a way. And in terms of background, we have people with two years of experience, and we also have people with more than 12 years of experience managing large projects and large teams, both technical and business teams, and also people having their own businesses, both in design, construction, and other related areas. But the average is about five years of experience. What we want is people that is energetic, vibrant, that they deeply believe in the value and the, you know, the importance of the built environment and of design if they come from that world and that they want to, you know, expand their vision by interacting with people that come from other fields. So in, in a group, you might have someone that comes from landscape, architecture, another person that is more into the interior, a few architects that do, you know, architecture, some in the private, in the public realm, someone that comes from a construction manager role, beam managers, people that come from, you know, very different areas. Some come from global brands and global offices that are recognized by design. Say we have had students from big foster and partners, Chipperfield, Stefano Boeri, you name it. And then also companies that are quite interesting, you know, startups that are disrupting the industry as well. They come from people that are organizing global fairs like Dubai Expo at the time and so on and so forth. And yeah, we, if there's something that I believe we look for, apart from, of course, talent, and willingness to you know engage with this super diverse community is belief in the power of design in the power of creativity in the value of or in, in favor of the built environment that's what i would say is key for us yeah and i think that it's extremely important to actually grow to be a more tenacious and confident leader within this industry and actually understand how to create profitability and opportunities in business and i think that that's really the key goal that people would be looking at after getting experience working for architecture practices or construction practices to actually step up and become leaders and maybe start their own businesses within, within this sector. And I believe that's what you, those opportunities is what you create for the AAC community. So that's amazing. And, and yes, thank you for giving us that overview. What? Just a question. Obviously, you're very familiar with the fact that in architecture, we don't get much business education. What would you say from a perspective of a person that is on the forefront of providing that value in the community is the future for architecture education, especially in business, where we look into digital transformation, we look into so many 
alternative also business models that are emerging right now, do you foresee it somehow changing? And what would, how would you define a change that can come upon the industry thanks to digital transformation? Yeah, thank you. I think that's another wonderful question. <laughs> I could be speaking about it for hours, but I think one of the key changes, there are two things that are important. First of all, understanding how we always speak about, you know, we always refer to this as, you know, it's not business or design, it's business in the favor of design and business as an enabler of design. And uh, I think one of the keys for the architect of the coming years is to understand how by organizing things properly, being strategic, planning ahead and having an open understanding of business models in architecture. And I'll get to that in a moment as a second part. But by having that sort of openness, you can generate much better design services and do a, a much better service to the society through design for the built environment. To give you some examples, those that learn how to organize an office, how to spare part of the capital they earn, and they also invest in, in doing things apart from the, let's say, operational component of running a project or winning a competition and so on can start investing in different things, things like innovation, things like things like establishing new markets and so on. And that's, if it's well done, and of course, there's always in a company, there's always a, one of the goals for the sustainability of the business has to be to increase profit. But if that's also done with a perspective of value, you're reinforcing your company, you're putting it a competitive advantage, and then you're concentrating capital to work in a quality environment that produces innovation basically right so it's not the same to give you a very simple example if i give you one euro and i give everyone one euro to a group of 10 people of course we could have a debate about spreading you know wealth and so on and that's super important as well we are also very keen on that but if compared for this business case you compare that to giving 10 euro to one person every one of those persons that i have given one euro they can do only a handful of things only a number of things but you're with 10 euro, you could do a hundred more things, right? So you could be yeah. way more strategic and sophisticated in the way you manage your thing, your money. And uh, I think one of the key changes is letting aside this old, in a way, outdated idea that it's either business or design. And that has profound implications. The second part is related to this expansion of the vision of, of what an architect can do. And I think on the one hand, of course, sustainability, and on the other hand, very connected to sustainability and that I will dwell on a little bit more is the side of, you know, the digital, the digital in general, like embracing technology. And I think the architect historically has been in a way associated directly to the brick and mortar condition of, of our room or manual. The, or manual, yeah, manual and brick and mortar tangible component. And I do think that needs to stay, but with an analogy that if you want is a bit cheesy, but I do believe it's quite direct is, you know, if you take a tree, the higher the tree needs to go or the wider the tree needs to expand, the wider and the deeper the roots need to go. So you have, you need to have very clear that yes, the built environment, the spatial experience is still going to be the core. And nowadays it's about 60% of the turnover of the architect's offices in the vast majority or around that number in the vast majority of the regions across the globe. But, but still with that core, we need to start thinking about what other type of case studies, what other type of, of problems that the humanity is facing are 
deeply related to the spatial condition. And I think, for instance, data analytics from footage of different types of devices that like, like cameras, you know, like smart grids that, you know, understand how people and objects move and so on have been automatically almost assigned to technologists, whereas arguably the leader or at least the strategic leader on top of that should be, if not alone, an architect or someone understanding the power of design, spatial design, should be at least sharing that with the technologists. That's just one example, right? There's another really interesting, in my opinion, startup, just to mention one that is called Cord. It's about curb management. And, you know, it's, we could think, yeah, this is for legal people that manage cities from the point of view of bureaucracy or from the point of view of only of operations. But it's in the end, it's a radically spatial problem in a way. It is part, it is, an, it is a central part of the outside urban experience to understand how our sidewalks are organized. And it's extremely strategic, right? So that's fundamental to understand that the architects goes there. And the third one will be the entrepreneurial mindset. And how do you, and I'll be short on this one, how do you identify those opportunities? The third thing is the architect has always been, in a way, sitting back in the chair, right? Mm-hmm. Waiting for the commission to come with a brief that is already set for me, where I, you know I, you need to do 56 units with two rooms and blah, blah, blah. And of course, that's going to be a key of, of cities still, and it's going to be a part of our business. But can we have a look at the decisions that have been taken before we actually get that brief? Can we have patience? in those decisions and how can we be not only participating but leading those decisions and creating the processes that end up producing that brief attracting that investment and producing value through to the society as a leader as an entrepreneur and there there are tons of opportunities and i think the more we are trained about that or on that the more we are prepared of course to identify where we could initiate new processes and i think that's key for the architect of the, so to say, 21st century is being a proactive business model seeker and inventor with the core and the focus on special design, I would say. Absolutely. What a great answer. I want to pick it completely because there's so many things you mentioned there that <laughs> I would like love to dive into. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects, a team of architects and technologists focus on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well, now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Colada. But something from, that still stayed with me from the beginning of what you mentioned was that sort of 
sophistication and awareness of like funding and how to spend it. And I think that comes with a certain maturity of understanding entrepreneurship to the level where you actually know how to allocate funds appropriately. So what I mean by it is if we don't, and I've seen that, first of all, I experienced that on myself because straight after finishing my design school in architecture, I started a practice. So I didn't really know what I'm signing up for from the very beginning until I became or grew into a role of having to lead and manage finances and sell and do marketing. And also once already sitting with the client to do the right negotiations so that I don't sign up for being underpaid for the next two years of my time and whatever. And that definitely took a lot of growing into, you know, some people intuitively have these qualities in them of being able to negotiate or not feeling uncomfortable with certain types of conversations at the table and other people have to grow and learn into it. But something that I notice now being a business mentor is that I notice that a lot of people have this real desire to change the world. I think that as architects, we're taught to problem solve. And so we're very focused on understanding problems, whether they're of, you know, social inclination or maybe ecologic or economic or whatever aspect we choose and try to solve we may not struggle with finding the passion towards solving a problem, but there might be a struggle of actually understanding how to profit on it. So not always architects who are going out there trying to deliver sustainability solutions or solutions that are very problem focused, she managed to really make an income off of it, you know, in a way that, that, that deserves or in the way in which we see that happen in other industries. And so what would you say? could be the number one reason behind it. Is it under education? Is it something personal where people have to grow in personal confidence about financial management? Or does it have to do with just simply understanding business better? Yeah. Wow. I, I, in your questions, there's a lot of things as well. Mm, yeah. It's like I, what I feel is like we are trying to paint some the, the most wonderful painting with only five colors and one type of brush. But the world of painting in the world of uh, doing the similar with the world of architectures has, you know, millions of colors and you could use multiple types of tools. So why are we not looking at those tools? I think, yes, there is definitely one component in education. I have been, I have had the luck, been lucky enough to study in, in four schools in, in three countries and also teach in, in, in three schools in three countries as well. And having seen that, I think this, this is something I always i could say under or misunderstood probably while, while pushing this idea but one of the things i said was we need to have in the in, if you look at entrepreneurship education in general there's a high component of there's a high importance of well-structured free time within the educational curriculum because that free time is one of the most valuable things you have when you're in university a university is a no risk apart from the intellectual risk, no risk environment to experiment and to create new knowledge. Because our education and because our profession is so time demanding, we do not have that time to, to put our attention in other things. We've been in a way, I think, extremely or over-focused on technical components, some technical components that in fact, I think you can learn and really bear with me if I'm sounding a bit radical, I'm totally pro the technical training, but I think there are things that could be better tuned and balanced and counterweighted with other things like business training. If we had a little time to focus on that and to explore, you know, 
some different paths of business apart from the one that is already pre-established mm. that we don't really think about it because it's there. It's always been there. You go, you open a practice and it's going to be like a sort of consulting practice. There's no innovation in the way you build. There's no innovation in the way you estimate your costs and so on and so forth. And that happens because we, during five or four to six, seven, depending on the country you are, years of training, you've been looking only into the technical and artistical component of design. You really need to look into the rest of the equation because in the end, we are part of a huge value chain, which is a value chain of the creation of the city in which if we only look at that, we are just a segment of it. Whereas if we look at the whole thing, we could potentially be in multiple segments or choose to be in one of many segments instead of being you know, prefixed to be on the design task. That is one thing. The other thing I believe and is, I think, how do I say all this? How do I say this? Self-esteem or love for what we actually do. I think the last few decades, very few decades, but they've been quite tough on our profession. It's been a profession that was, that has always been, you know, a life seeker in a way, but, but that has changed a lot and its reputation due to many different factors has been uh, affected. And I think has been pushed because of the sophistication of our market, both technologically and as well, economically speaking and legally speaking, it's been pushed to a side place or side position in many aspects. But I do think that we keep being some of the most brilliant profiles. And it's not because I'm an architect. I truly, you know, live it out there when you see the different profiles that participate in our industry. We are some of the most brilliant, strategic and important profiles to stick together all the other parts. People that only look into the finance, people that only look into the artistic part, only look into the political or the marketing or the communications part and so on. And we are profiles that are both technical and artistic, which is quite important to, to have. We are, because universities through studio teach us to, to do it, to do the thing that we refer to as learning by doing. So we're ready to start working on something that is 10 times as more complex than when we actually can, you know, can take on our own, but we're fine with it. And that is extremely valuable in today's world to manage uncertainty and, you know, changing environments and so on. And then we're also very good at synthesizing ideas, bringing together, you know, technical and non-technical language and so on. So all we need to know in a way is how to apply that beyond the only architectural component and adding other things that refers to value as a multifaceted thing. So value is not only the value of the architecture in itself as a piece of study, as a piece of history, as a piece of art, which is, of course, a central part of what we do, but it's also value for the society in many ways. It is economical value for different stakeholders. It is operational value for multiple stakeholders and so on. And if you understand that when you do a building, when you do an urban plan, when you do a concept for a competition or for a brand in general, you are, by doing a line, you're not only doing a wall, but you're doing a hundred different things. Then your mind expands automatically, I think. And if you, on top of having that mind expanded, then you have the number of brushes that would allow you to know, you know, how to paint those paintings that you want to paint. Then it's, a, you know, it's super powerful. And it's not a change that you can do in one day, but with different generations, different years, in a number of years, like from five to 10 years, the profession would be radically different. Uh, let me know if I should stop speaking, but if not, <laughs> I could add something. In my experience, having been in positions where I have to, on the one hand, hire 
I've had to hire architects for offices for which I have worked, also for my own office a few years ago. And as well, I do recruit students as well, or I do screen student profiles all over the world. And I also now hire people for the company we're doing, building. Having seen that, I can definitely tell you that the profile of people that we need, especially young, recent graduates in the last five years or seven years has radically changed. What they look for, the values they have, the way they understand companies, the way they understand architecture. If you ask in a classroom, what is the path that you want to do? What do you want to do with this phenomenal training and super multidisciplinary and, you know, you know, jackbox of training that is architecture? What do you want to do? The, the answer is less and less brick and mortar only and more and more, you know, yes, there is brick and mortar, but there is all of these things on top. And, you know, one of these other ideas that the architect is different is one is of these ideas that I'm radically against. The architect is similar, if you want, but just a little bit better, if you want, at least. That would be a little bit, I don't know how to say, you know, it's also cheesy, but if you want to think you're different, think you're better, but do not think you're different than that you're someone that is not understood or something like that. There's an issue of communication and of understanding how other industries behave, and there's a lot to learn from them. And the more you learn and more you relate, the better you will be able to affect change and be impactful. If you look at successful architecture businesses everywhere, you'll see that those that are more impactful and more successful, regardless of the architectural style or the value proposition that makes the core of their companies, are those that are more polyphasetic in the way they do business. They do good design, but yes, they also do good marketing. They do good, they do good communication and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that this is very important that learning all of this for yourself, even if we start with small practices or maybe even being sole practitioners to get those skills so that we can present ourselves better to the world, right? And I think that understanding all these facets, even on a small level of just an individual makes or breaks the situation. And that's on one hand and on the other, also when we start talking about technology and digital transformation, there there is this expansion of possibilities of business that goes beyond the traditional way in which we deliver architecture services. And this is where the fun begins because we start finding businesses such as Buildia, for example, which we'll talk about in a minute, but also individuals that are devoted to architecture, interested in architecture, but simply choose to deliver other type of services than design through development of applications, education, and leveraging digital transformation tools to help people and build communities. And so there is this sort of transition, transformation, and innovation happening within the business, within the AC industry, and how we deliver value to one another, which does not only focus only on design services. So that leads me to wanting to discover more about Buildia Tell me a little bit more about this business and the idea of it. I really love how, first of all, it's been funded because it's not the type of model of financial funding. It's not something that we see very often within architecture design, but certainly more so in, in development of apps or, you know, technological products that are available today. And tell us a little bit about Buildia, the value that it provides, but also the business model behind it and how it's aiming to help people within our industry. This episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group. 
a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the question as well. We are, the, we could say our vision is to become the market network of construction and uh, for those that are listening, you know, if you look at market network, it's a quite a particular model of, of digital platform or that, that blends together an environment of that will be, do, you know, done through a SaaS software as a service. So basically a software that can do different things for, in this case, a company, also some component of marketplace where there are different companies interacting commercially in different fashion, in different ways. And then some component of a network, just a social net in relation to building connections, establishing, living and growing portfolio of work that you don't have to necessarily put a lot of time, but builds alone. Market networks are more and more present in, in businesses. The more the internet becomes mature and the more we move from digitization on the B2C to the B2B world, and the more we need to start organizing complex interactions in the digital world. If we speak about complex interactions, then probably construction is the industry to speak about complexity, right? Things that are extremely complex, though they're becoming off-site built, we still have a transition to do there. And the next 20 years are probably going to be very much about that with still a lot of on-site and prototyped, if you want, construction and design done. So in the end, a building is and is still going to remain for some years despite the transformation in which we also believe quite hardly, it's still going to be remaining like a prototype that you need to build. Basically, you need to define everything you need, all the services or all the, all the services or the, or the materials or the systems and so on need to be procured, need to be identified, need to be measured and so on, and then managed as, a, as an ecosystem of stakeholders and of suppliers, right? So what we do is we digitize all of these tasks of breaking down a building a project in general into all the types of systems, services, and stakeholders that, that it has and helping companies, real estate development and real estate development and builders, basically helping them to organize all of that within one single data structure for the digital project to do all the procurement operations and then to manage that ecosystem and then to also have the power of data. Since it's all organized by projects, you have all the power of data of everything that you've been doing throughout the project from beginning to end in terms of its procurement and its commercial operation. That, that you can do it as a company one by one, project by project, and that is our core initial value as a software, as a service that optimizes and automates all your procurement and tendering and bidding, basically operations. But one by one, doing those projects one by one, you build a portfolio, you build a network, and every other company builds their own network in, an, in a connected ecosystem and that ends up producing an exponential value for the industry. So in the end, what we do is we save by automating operations, adding 
also automating the presence in the digital world and and you know putting the focus on, on procurement we we reduce the time reduce the costs drastically of these companies we increase traceability up to 100% and in the end basically we make them live a better professional day to day and in terms of how it's been funded it's, it's a startup in the end we have been listed as one of the 100 most innovative companies in Spain in the in 2021 by the reference magazine El and basically we have the we were lucky enough to have the support from wonderful investment funds both from Spain, Portugal and Germany and and as well some business angels from Spain, from France and from Colombia as well. that in the end what they bring is an ecosystem of knowledge beyond the value of the capital itself. So we count on on funds like APX, the fund by Axel Springer and Porsche, Encomenda, who was one of the early founders of Globo and Avidissimo in Spain. We count as well on Indico Capital Partners, JB20, a lot of important people that know very much how to build a company, how to scale it, and provide a lot of knowledge, which is key. And I would say there, you know, if there's a lesson we have learned on that level beyond the fact that you know you learn how to sell you learn how to develop digital projects and so on and so forth manage operations and so on if there's one thing that we have in a way not i wouldn't say learn our list of priorities it has been raising you know climbing up to the top has been building an ecosystem of knowledge around you and i think that's something the architectural profession also needs to to reflect deeply about we come from a model that was based on authorship, if you want, in which the architect was this inspired voice that had a, a total authority and the whole artistic you know, input was coming from one end, going to co-creation that is already present in many of the most successful practices worldwide. And that I think is based on the idea that you as a founder, as a lead architect need to build an ecosystem of people that know, if not, more at least the same than you but in other aspects in a complementary way so that your company can actually grow alone and scale it's not about controlling the people that work for you it's about empowering the people that work with you and it's very different and for that having that ecosystem is fundamental what i really love about it is and i think that it's really worth mentioning because for the longest time, and that was certainly the case at my university for architecture, we've been learning from people that were not fully successful, perhaps, in implementing what they actually teach. You know, architects that perhaps have never really started their own businesses or have never worked for a big business, but went into tutorship and ended up teaching at universities that perhaps don't have practical knowledge. And I think that's what something that I see of, of tremendous value is the fact that you, per, in the personal space or professionally outside of your academic involvement with the university, you also show a successful implication of all those things. And I think that that definitely is a great testimony for a lot of the people that might perhaps explore an opportunity studying at the IE to look at the fact that basically it's run by people that are very capable and actually apply what they teach in their own personal life and show proof for that to be successful, which definitely makes a difference, I think. And we do struggle within architecture 
principle of whether, you know, some universities certainly are run by people that have successful architecture practices, but not all. And we see that globally. So that also contributes to, to a lack of architecture, business education within architecture and the right relevant type of architecture education. And what I see happen here is certainly that not only there is this personal application, but also it's really future looking. It's very, it's very innovative. It solves a problem beyond just the traditional means in which we, we solve this problem, but it's looking into technology, it's looking into future development of, of com communication and community online digitally, but also applications and technologies. So, so really kudos about that. I really appreciate it. And I think for all the listeners, you know, guys, this is just a great example of how things can be applied in the professional world as well as education. And I certainly would love to learn from people that are successful <laughs> and teach business. It's just summarize where people can go, first of all, and find the university if they're more in, interested in reading more and finding out about the different courses that you have that are specifically crafted for the AAC industry in business and marketing. And then we'll talk a little bit about where to find Buildia. Great. Thank you for your kind words. Yeah, we do the best we can to be successful. Startup is not an easy journey, but it's a very exciting journey. And I think, you know, it's about managing risk and innovation is as well about managing risk. So we're very, I think, pleased so far to where we are, but of course, looking forward for more progress in terms of how to find what we do, both in the Buildia and the School of Architecture and Design. I think IE is just I as in Italy, E as in España very or in east so it's very easy to find that's a huge school within that you have the school of architecture and design and within that we have several programs both bachelor and master programs and not official depending on your interest you'll find probably i think quite quite an interesting portfolio and quite a different portfolio from other schools in terms of the offer also in terms of the format as well, in, in terms of how it allows you to uh, work and study, but also if you want to do full-time, there are options to do full-time and so on and so forth. The School of Architecture and Design, within the master's, there is a master in business for architecture and design. So if you put MBARC, so as an MBA with the RS, RCH at the end, you'll find the program I lead particularly, uh, but there are many others. Uh, we have, we have said we have strategic interior design, we have a global master in real estate as well. And then we have the bachelor in design, bachelor in architecture. There's going to be more things coming up very soon in urban studies and so on. In terms of Buildia, it's www.buildia.com. Very easy. And for the moment, we're operating only in Spain. So if you're curious about it, you can definitely look at our website and our LinkedIn. And we, you know, we encourage you to follow us and we'll be releasing a lot of things in the coming months for preparing our marketing plan and communications plan for 2022. And, uh, and yeah, the website is in Spanish because we directly engage with uh, the, mar the Spanish market of B2B in construction, which operates mainly in Spanish, but we're looking into international markets as well. And you can also translate that if you're curious with only a click on the bottom. I'm very yeah. happy to have you Thanks on our network. Everything yeah. appeared all in English for me, even though I read and understand Spanish, but but yeah, it is, the website is already meant to yeah, be accessible internationally. So guys, check it out. And Geronimo, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really, truly an incredible conversation. Thank you for sharing your experience, both from 
the level of academia as well as your, your personal journey in your career. And I'm really looking forward to see more from you in the future. So thank you so much again. And thanks guys for tuning in. Thank you for the comments, even though we didn't have any questions, but it's really great to see you also tune in and listen into those. For all of you who are listening on LinkedIn or Facebook, if you haven't yet, go to YouTube at Sarah Colata and subscribe to the channel where you will be notified every time we go. But of course, you can still remain on LinkedIn and Facebook following these because we stream live to all these platforms. So thank you so much, everyone. Happy Christmas and New Year soon. I don't think we're going to have another broadcast before the New Year. However, we are preparing some exciting things in the New Year for you. So tune in if you haven't yet. Subscribe to the mailing list, which you find at saracolata.com. And you'll be notified about new exciting things like event training, as well as new podcasts coming out in the new year. So thank you so much. Thank you, Geronimo. And I'll see you all in the new year. Thank you. Thank you so much. I forgot to say one thing. If you are in Spain at the moment and looking for job opportunities, maybe just connect to us or look in LinkedIn. We're posting our applications there, you know, and Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye, Bye guys. Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you, always. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.